Hello, welcome to IntelliCast, Season 5, Episode 6. That's crazy, I know I say that every episode, but hey, thanks for joining. Joining me today is producer Brian Peterson, as always. Hello, Brian. Hey, how are you? Oh, I'm wonderful. How are you? I am doing good. I'm getting uh, portions of my house painted today, so I'm going to apologize in advance in case you can hear them. Oh, well, my dog is not here. I'm in the office today, so you'll hear no snoring. So you'll be the one making the noise today. Yep. No no, no appearance by Bonnie today. Um, this episode brought to you by EMI. That's where we're employed. Um, you can reach us at IntelliCast at EMI-RS.com or follow us on Twitter, EMI underscore research or IntelliCast1. And please text us. Someone text us. 513-401-5463. Really just a big news episode, right? Oh, yeah. Lots of news. It's been a little while since we did a news episode. So, yeah, we do have quite a bit to cover. I wanted to start off with some conferences, which I'm excited. Yesterday, we booked some conferences for the first time, and I don't know how long. Um, um, This is the first one. I. This was the first string of them I booked since Quirk Chicago back in October, but that was the first one I booked since, like, 2020. So, yeah early 2020 at that so here's some of coming events um the north central chapter of the insights association that's still weird to say for me that's a combination of the great lakes chapter and the upper north chapter i don't remember the name of the other chapter i apologize for that but it's, uh, we're, we're doing webinars the third thursday of each month so we a webinar this um, next Thursday, this is February 17th, if you'd like to join. More information to come. It hasn't really gone out on social yet. Some more details to come. I will be at the Insights Association Annual Conference. I'm really excited about that. Yeah. My first trip. It'll literally be my first trip, um, assuming I fly in a long time. And that's April 4th through 6th in Philadelphia. I'm real excited about that one. We're talking like what, like 2019? Because I don't think you went to one in 2020, did you? Yeah, I went to SampleCon in 2020. Okay. And um, I did a client trip in 2020. That's right. Because you guys got back and like the week later, everything shut down. Yeah. And as a company, we went to Quirks right before it shut down too, but I wasn't yeah. there. Um, speaking of Quirks, um, we'll be there in Chicago, April 11th and 12th. That's yes. a fun one. I'm kind of jealous I don't get to go to that one. Um, Sorry. You, you got two to, on the list. <laughs> I know. The Inside Association, I'm really excited about. And we'll, we'll talk more about that um, soon. But that's a big one in Philadelphia. And then the Court Chicago is one of my favorites. That's April 11th and 12th. Then, man, April is crazy. April 19th and 20th, IIEX in Austin. I'll be there um, with a couple of other people as well. More to come on that one. But IIEX is another outstanding conference that I love. It's a little... Um, not three days this year. It's really more two days, which I understand. Um, so looking forward to all those. Yeah, I think it's a good slate. They do have them kind of all crammed in there in April because after that you have – they're mm-hmm. kind of scattered out until you hit the fall. Well, then um, SampleCon is in May, right? right. There's nothing um, in – that's the only one in May. And then you have like one in June. You have Quirks New York I think is July. I mean, they're spaced out a lot. They're spaced out much more after that. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess start planning your conference trips. It's kind of weird. Like, I wasn't even sure what to do yesterday when I had a book. I'm like, man, I guess I got to book a hotel and a plane. Weird. 
haven't been on I was plane bo- forever. I was booking conferences yesterday. I'm like, all right, how do I do this again? It's been how long? Yeah. So that's the conference updates. And then we have, I guess, a few pieces of just EMI-specific news. Yeah. Um, you want to tag team this? Yeah. All right, you go first. All right. So the first one is um, – I don't know if we've talked specifically about MAP a lot. No. But, um, a website has gone up, and that yes. is mapinternships.com, M-A-P-P, internships.com. And MAP is, stands for Minority Access Partnership Program. And this is something that we in Cincinnati, four companies have been working on for quite a while. You can get a lot more information on the website, but it's really Burke. Um, a little-known marketing research agency um, headquartered here in Cincinnati, Ohio, since 1931. Um, Burke has a huge brand name. We're excited to partner with them. Um, Directions Research has been around forever. They're a staple in Cincinnati, and they have offices all over and people all over now as they went to more of a hybrid workplace. But uh, Directions Research and then Market Vision Research, another um, based in Cincinnati, but have offices elsewhere. And so the four companies, again, Burke Research, Directions Research, Market Vision Research, and EMI, um, but we snuck in there and <laughs> let us into their thing. But what, what this is, is a program where ultimately the goal is to promote inclusion and diversity in research. And we have all um, committed to each other and are holding each other accountable to hire interns from really less traditional sources and to expand the footprint and the knowledge of our industry. And originally this came about, I think that the CEOs of the other companies kind of talked every once in a while, just talk about current events. And this came up diversity, obviously. And we're we're not, I don't think anyone would say we're a diverse industry for the most part, Um, even though we should be because of what we do. We've talked about diversity a ton on this podcast, but um, what this is doing is we noticed that most companies in Cincinnati hire from the same kind of pool as Northern Kentucky University has a great marketing research program, University of Cincinnati, Xavier University, and Miami of Ohio are really the four primary universities we hire from. All of us, and there's a lot more companies in Cincinnati, just those four. There's probably another 20, if not more. Mm-hmm. Um, we all decided that we are going to look elsewhere into not... The one thing would be like more minority clubs within universities um, and different kind of majors within universities. And then also we were looking at Cincinnati State, which is more of a, I guess, a trade school. Um, They do have a sales program there and they do have a little bit more non-traditional students. So we're trying to attract people to our industry there. And then we're looking at some HBCUs. There's a couple of HBCUs in Ohio, um, Central State and Wilberforce that we're building relationships with. And um, eventually it'll be Kentucky and we hope to expand this at some point. But really what we're doing is we're going to go to career fairs. We're going to get in front of students. We're going to go speak to instructors. We're going to build relationships with them. Really the ultimate goal is to bring more diverse talent base into marketing and research. Um, What did I miss, Brian? (laughs) No, I think you summed it up well. It's opening up the market research industry to audiences who may not be familiar with it through traditional means yep right um i think the only other thing you missed is what map stands for because why we're calling it m-a-p-p for map yeah minority access partnership program and uh, we're offering internships 
They'll agree to pay $15 an hour. They'll agree to a lot of terms, 20 to 25 hours a week. Um, we've had some candidates already. We um, Damon Jones from Burke, um, who's been on the podcast a few times, spoke to the University of Cincinnati and African-American club. And we've had a couple applicants and I'm real excited to talk to some people that I haven't talked to before, to talk to instructors and students that maybe aren't familiar with marketing research, but have the skills to be successful in it and maybe bring a different viewpoint. You know, market research is an amazing field because most people that work in it don't have like a marketing or a research background, which is kind of crazy. Um, social sciences is great. Understanding consumer behavior is ultimately what a lot of people try to do in our industry. So social science is a lot adds a lot of value to us. And anything in math related statistics is amazing. And even other in, other English majors work very successful in our industry. And that's what I tell people is that we can go to a class and you know a lot of professions and maybe even roles, you have to have a certain skill set. But when we're selling our industry as a whole, we, we can take anybody. If you're great at math, we have a lot of jobs for you. But if you're not great at math, maybe you're great at something else, we have a lot of jobs for you. And so that's the beauty of it with quantitative research and qualitative research and analysts and research managers and sales. We have a lot of opportunities. So we wanted to mention this website, which is launching. Um, love any feedback, any support that you have. If you're listening from a university, promote it. Um, yeah, pr really proud of it. It's been a lot of work. You were on the team. Um, all the marketing teams at each of these four companies work together. It's really amazing. Um, a lot of the CEOs, um, C-level um, buy-in from this. There's lots of calls with all the CEOs. That's a little nerve-wracking, even though, you know, I don't report to the CEO of, you know, Dinosaur right at Burke. I don't report to her, but it's a little nerve-wracking being on a conference call with Jim Lane or, or Tyler or Diane. Um, but it's, man, I'm just proud to be part of it. And I'm proud to see what we accomplish. I can't wait till we get some interns in. I can't wait till we expand it. My ultimate goal, I've said before, is I want to get into high schools. I want to start getting to um, high schools and start telling people about our industry at you know, a younger age, even. Yeah. So yeah. we can probably that's do a whole something. That's something maybe people don't know about you is that you do like to go talk in front of classes and promote the industry. Yeah. You and I have known each other almost five years now, and that's something since early on that. I've kind yeah. of noticed that you love doing that, whether it's going to talk to UC classes or down in down at the University of Georgia, your alma mater, talking to them, that you love doing that. You just don't get as much opportunity as I think you would like to do that. Yeah, and we kind of divvied up the universities and we, we got the University of Cincinnati. And so I can't wait to go to different classrooms sometime, hopefully this spring, um, meet new students, um, offer internships to people. Um, we had a good applicant. I had a, we had our first job interview. I, don't even, I haven't told you this. We had our yes. first job interview this week, and she is an amazing candidate. Um, building, we're building a new role. And I know the other companies are probably building some different roles for people as well. And so, again, I can't thank um, the leadership at Burke and Market Vision and Directions and EMI. It really is led at the top. And that's, you know, this when the CEO says we're all on board of this, it makes the things a lot easier. Yep. Um, even though this, you know, it's, it's not easy to work with companies that are your competitors, not that we compete with them, but the other three companies kind of compete with each other, right? Right. And so 
it is amazing working with all these people. I love it. I can't speak more highly about this, uh, this opportunity for us. Well, I think Priscilla says it best. Um, collaboration is the new competition. While they compete, they're collaborating on this and they're trying to make the industry better. Yeah. So learn more at mapinternships.com. Man. Yeah. What? Well, we also have some other news. Um, and these, both of these have come out in the last week. The first up is that EMI has become an exclusive resale agent for the ag access agricultural community. So that came out last week, um, partnership with a friend of the podcast, Colson Steber and his organization that kind of grow, help each of us grow, help our agricultural expertise and help them kind of grow as an organization as well. I miss anything there? No, I mean, this is such an amazing deal for us. And I think that, you know, we you know, we are very consultative in terms of how we advise our clients in terms of sample. And this is just next level. Um, Colson and that team is experts in ag access in agricultural sector professionals. It's mostly, it's all B2B or almost yep. all B2B. And um, I'm a, such a huge fan of that company. I'm a huge fan of Colson. We've had him on the podcast. He's got an amazing story, an amazing background. Reach out to him. Um, because he's um, really, he's a good person and a good motivator on LinkedIn. If you follow him, um, he's really transparent about his path and how he tries to be a leader for a company and, um, you know, big fans of him again. And I think this is a great opportunity for EMI and um, Ag Access and our industry, right? So we can, we can yeah. kind of bring such an amazing panel um, a little more broadly, I think. Yeah. And if, Anybody knows anything about ag access, they are the agricultural like experts. They know how to get your dairy farmers and that people who aren't sitting at a computer every day, they can get you those high quality in-depth insights around a wide variety of people in this in, in this sector. Yeah, they get really granular with their targeting and the way they talk about farming is just next level. So yeah, it's a great partnership, I think. And along the same lines, we had one that just came out, if you're listening to this, on Wednesday the 9th that just hit the presses this morning that we have also – that EMI is also going to be the exclusive agent for Vansery's B2B community. So, You want to yeah. give a little detail on that? Yeah, so Vansery is um, kind of an expert network, which yep. are becoming popular in research as – you know, research is being blurred between true quant and true qual um, to, in my opinion, just answering business questions and people that want business questions answered don't really care if it's quant or qual. They just want the business question answered. And Vansery provides the opportunity to do that with really verified people um, that you can really, you can get, you can, it's like looking at a resume of someone, yep. um, you know, and traditional panel B2B research, it's hard to be 100% certain that you're talking to someone that's a decision maker or is employed in whatever industry we want, um, has certain decision-making abilities. It's hard with panel and there's a lot of skepticism around it. With Vansery and their product, you can actually see the name of the person. You can see their background. You can see their resume. You can contact them. 
You can yep. do a quant survey. You can do a qual survey. You can do a telephone conversation. You can do a follow-up. and Web chat, whatever you want to do. <laughs> yeah, so um, partnering with Vans3, which is an awesome company and has really cool profiles of people uh, from a B2B perspective. And we've had a lot of success with them trying to figure out how to work with them because it's a little bit different. Um, right. A little bit different. And, but we figured it out. We think we're really good at it now and we can kind of scale it, which is why we're launching the press release today is um, we're hoping that people see the value in this and um, this can help solve a lot of business questions that you have and maybe be a little more confident about who you're talking to and be more flexible with how you talk to them. Not just necessarily in a quantitative online survey, that's fine. But if you want to do a follow-up of some sort, that's possible too. Yep. And we will have links to both of those press releases in the show notes. So anyone who wants more details, you can find it there. Awesome. Well, we've got 20 minutes in and we haven't gotten through the current events. So yeah, we, yeah, we'll talk more about the Bengals Super Bowl. Are we doing another podcast? Oh, I don't know. This do you want to, I think we should do one one more this week just and make it just Bengals. Okay. All right. Let's do that. I will say, though, are you watching any of the Winter Olympics? Um. This is a sort tough topic for me. I am boycotting the Winter Olympics. Um, I'm following it on TikTok. Okay. And I think that is the best way for me to follow the Winter Olympics is via TikTok because I like I love the Olympics. We've talked yep. about it before. So do um, I. But I don't like the time zone differences. I don't like it as in China. I don't like a lot of things about this Olympics. Winter is a little bit different for me anyway. It's not like summer where you can I follow everything. Winter, there's a few things I'll follow, but I like following on TikTok because I get the highlights. So with you like summer, you follow everything. I normally follow all the events on winter. And to be honest, I haven't watched a single minute of it yet. Oh, wow. Um, there's a bit, I'm kind of, it's a bit of a boycott. I don't think they should be holding it right now. I think they should have postponed it a year. You've already yeah. seen several athletes who have yeah. had to drop out, who are who are up there for medal contention because they've now got COVID because they're over there. There's some judging. Yeah. Ish, let's call it issues or discrepancies. Yes. As well as, so I even saw yesterday, the Canadian women's hockey team refused to take the ice for the third, for the game because the Russians hadn't gotten their COVID tests back. Yes, yeah, so didn't they wore, both wear masks? Is that right? Yeah, happened? they both wore masks. And by the third period, they got them back, and everyone in Russia was clear. So the Russians took it off. The Canadians were like, nah, we're good. Left them on, and still ha- Harlem Globetrottered them. Right. The entire game. I, I th- I didn't think Canada it, beat US today? They did this morning, and it was a close game. Yeah. So, They're the two big. Yeah, but they did it with those N95 masks. So it's not like oh, a paper mask or like a cloth mask. Like it's not okay. These are the heavy duty masks, and they just beat them. Well, good. So, yeah, I'll, I'll probably watch a little bit of the figure skating because that's the big kind of main event, I think, for the common yeah. fan is the, the men's started last night, and I think the women's starts maybe today or tomorrow. Yeah. So we might watch them on the weekend, but so far I haven't watched a minute and I'm conflicted on watching it because it, yeah. yep. just because of how, when it is and you have people getting dropped, having well, to leave. So I talked to my friends and I'm excited about the future Olympics because the next few are in France is the next summer. Then Italy is the next winter. And then LA is the next summer. Yep. And so 
Um, cool. that, those are three more on the same time zone and a little, you know, I don't know, more appealing to our culture, I guess. And I think you and I have talked about this in the past, but uh, how the Olympics should be run. And we can save that for maybe our, our yeah. Bengals. We'll just call it the sports podcast. Yeah. yeah. So let's jump into some market research news. Okay. First up, and this is big news. Innovate has received an undisclosed amount of funding from private equity firm Civic, that's C-I-V-C, partners and a significant investment from Innovate founders Matt Dusig, Greg Lavin, and George Lorenz, and former President Michael Anderson, as well as from current shareholders. The investment will help them in their growth plan. Yeah, so, you know, Innovate has been friends of the podcast for a while. We'll have Lisa on soon um, to get more details about this. But, you know, from the press release itself, they talk about um, – the firm promises faster answers from business and cons- consumer audiences. Um, so they're obviously going to invest this into getting uh, probably grow their panel, getting more, um, building their panel, um, getting more granular their targeting, getting more speed and efficiency. So good for Innovate. You know, they've, you know, the, the guys that launched Innovate, I guess it's been since 2014. Um, they make all kinds of good moves. They've, they've really kind of led our industry for quite a while, way before they started Innovate. They've, they've done this for years. Um, so, you know, between Matt and Greg and George, just excited to see what happens and let them lead and um, help us grow as an industry. Yeah, same here. Uh, and again, we will have Lisa on in the coming weeks. We're going to get into a bit more detail with her on this. So next up, Protege has acquired mobile survey platform Polefish. One, I love the name Polefish. That's great. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, let's see. Um, Polefish has been around for quite a while. They have they've had a pretty decent name um, for those of us that work in online sample. And so good, it's a good acquisition from, from Protege, who seem to be in the news quite a bit lately. Um, and so I think it's a good acquisition looking to see, grow their panels and their offerings to clients. So yeah, good, good job. All right. I'm going to have you speculate a little bit on this and yeah. you might not be ready for it, but with them acquiring a mobile survey platform, are they going to get more into programming, having their own like research platform a la innovate or focus vision? I guess there's not focus. It's forced now, I guess, but kind of like that. Um, possibly. They could go that direction. Um, you know, having a DIY platform is certainly going to be an advantage for them. And as they grow, um, th- that could that could position them to be a little more flexible. And so I, I think that that gives them flexibility in the future that they could scale that definitely. Now I don't know if they're going to be competing with like a Forsta, but maybe with like a Dynata. Um, that's that's how I would think about it. Is that they have the ability to compete more with the Dynatas and their, you know, all the companies that they have that have their own programming platform integrated as well. That's how I think okay. about it. Okay. Um, lots of lots of sample news. Tap yeah. Research has launched a mobile game player insight tool called Player Insight to provide mobile game developers with access to player feedback in real time. So I know gaming industry-wise, that's huge as you're building a game and beta testing it to get that feedback, find the glitches, because 
I don't know if you follow gaming much, but every time there seems to be a big game released, within the first 36 hours, you hear of some sort of large glitch that they have to patch. Yeah, this is kind of interesting. And I always love it when something kind of comes out of left field, like, huh, that's interesting. But Tap Research has obviously been doing this for a while, getting research on apps, a lot of gaming apps. And so this is kind of the next phase of um, getting what they're calling validation surveys to get feedback from the most valuable players of gaming. I think that's really interesting what they're doing. And that could be like a sub panel. We get requests for gamers, especially game, people that game a lot um, quite often. So it's an interesting move from them and excellent. I mean, I love when companies do something like this. It's just, it's really under the core competency. And so they're combining kind of their core competency with how they access people and sampling with getting research and insights out of it. So good job from TAP. Yeah. Um, next up, and I think this one's going to have some overarching um, components to it in the future. Three U.S. Democratic Congress people have launched a privacy bill imposing a blanket ban on, quote, surveillance advertising, including the most common current forms of ad targeting. So with this, when you have a cookie, you visit how you're essentially getting advertised to online. They have proposed a bill to stop this where, say, you go look at a vacation spot. And then you're seeing all of those retargeted ads when you go to Google or Yahoo or whatever. You're seeing them on the sides and all of that, and it's just following you along. They are looking to make you stop that, or at least advertisers stop that. Yeah, this what do you is, think um, about that? You know, Europe, a lot of some European companies have kind of done this, and it's very popular in Europe to kind of start stop with this targeting. I don't think this will pass. I I'm not sure if the Insights Association, if Howard has come up with a position on this, I would expect that we'd be against this. Um, since it's ad targeting, um, yeah. it's not necessarily in our realm yet, but the next phase of this obviously would be other types of targeting and that's where research gets involved. But um, I, don't, I don't know, how do you feel about ads targeted towards you? Sometimes it's a little creepy, but sometimes I kind of yeah. like it that you know, hey, I'm in, I'm in the mood for shopping for something, and then all of a sudden I get an ad for that something. It's a little creepy. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about it. Sometimes I like it. Sometimes I think it's like you know, Big Brother, right? So I have – I'm kind of split on this. So part yeah. of it is, okay, yeah, if I'm researching something like, oh, I want a new pair of shoes or I'm looking for a book or something like that, that's fine because then I want, I want a little bit because – now you're going to give me ads of something that, oh, well, you liked X, Y, Z, you, so you might like ABC. I want that experience, but right. I also don't want it that if I am talking to my wife about, hey, what if we go to Cancun next year? And then I start seeing ads for all-inclusives in Cancun where I haven't searched anything. I don't yeah. like that. Yeah. So I think there need I, – I actually heard an interview from – someone who runs a marketing firm on actually the local Cincinnati 700 station last yeah. week. I was, I was running an errand and just happened to tune in and hear it. And they were talking about how this could impact different, different groups, particularly because you're going to lose that. Yes. You will lose the, Oh, I'm talking and my phone has listened and now I'm seeing those ads, which I think everyone can agree. No one likes that. 
but you're also going to lose the tailored web experience that you might enjoy now. So to the point where I might see ads for retirement homes, Brian, you might see ads for baby diapers. Well, right now you're probably not seeing that because they know, well, Brian doesn't have a baby. (laughs) We're not going to send him, but it'll get to the point where you're just going to have to do a mass untargeted piece and just try to get as much as you can, which is going to raise the costs of all of this. And I think that was his bigger point in this interview was that it, there's a balance between the privacy and cost. So for small businesses who do advertising, so say like small business that might do advertising on Facebook, you can do some targeting on there, but if you are no, if this bill passes, you won't be able to do that. So now Something they may only spend a couple hundred dollars on a month may cost them thousands of dollars a month, and they can't afford that. Well, now that's going to impact their sales. So I think while I get part of it and I agree with part of it, I I disagree with some of it. I think there needs to be a happy medium between what they're proposing and the current state, let's call it. Yep. Um, This article, um, MR Web at least, is – pretty fair. I think that, it, you know, the bill goes much further than previous attempts. It talks about agencies that are against it. Um, it talks about the Interactive Ag- Advertising Bureau, which kind of reiterated what you just said, that said it will put mil- millions of jobs at risk, damage small firms, and raise prices for consumers. Those aren't good things. And so, yes, a balance of some sort um, needs to happen because, yeah, I think everybody gets, we don't want everybody knowing everything about us and maybe things that no one should know about us. I'm talking about an ad about that, but <laughs> still create the ability for advertisers to target ads towards a more targeted group of people to save money. And um, so, yeah, it's a tough one, but I don't think it'll pass, but it's good to have a conversation. Well, as part of this, and I didn't put this on the rundown, um, I don't know if you saw that the flocks from Google, the FLOCs, that they were trying to get up and running as an answer to cookies. They've shut that down. So they've transitioned to something else. But I think there is, I think private organizations realize that people want their data and their privacy back. And there's going to be a push to that. And I think it's going to have to be some sort of joint effort between the legislation and private organizations to get there. I don't think either one by themselves are going to solve it because I don't think like Google's not going to solve it themselves because they know this is going to impact their bottom line and the legislation isn't going to solve it because they're just going to go way too far as uh, a la this bill. So I think them working together, you find that compromise in the middle and right there, which is a, kind of what I believe overall for governing, but that's besides the point. <laughs> yep. So Oh, next story. Merkle, the customer experience management company, has integrated B2B agencies Gyro and Merkle DWA, retiring both brand names and creating a new entity under the name Merkle B2B. So I put this on there, one, because of the market research implication news, but also isn't Gyro, don't they have an office just down the street from us? Yeah, they do. Um Actually, I've been to that office, and there was a tornado war- warning during the meeting and had to evacuate the office. That was fun. Um, they was do, they are called gyro, right? They're not like the so, sandwich gyro. 
I think so. And okay. I'm kind of sad that they got rid of that name. That's really, I'm sure that's the other reason you put it on here is that um, oh. the naming of it, Merkel B2B, doesn't sound great to me. Um, but, you know, that's just my opinion on brand names. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, good for them. All right. Next up, System One, the consumer intent analysis platform, has become a has become publicly listed through a merger with Tribia Acquisitions Corp. The deal values System One at one point four billion dollars. How do you think about that? I saw this and it kind of came out of left field. I'm like, oh, really? We're going we're going public now. Yeah, I mean, System One. Um, that's really the story. It's- Values of them at 1.4 billion. That just speaks to how much insights companies' valuations have improved over the past few years, and people see the value of our industry. Um, 1.4 billion. That's that's crazy big, and I mean, awesome for them. I mean, that's good for our industry. Um, if they're worth 1.4 billion, that means there's a lot of billion-dollar valuations out there in our industry. Right. Um- I also thought it was interesting that it was taken public. We see a lot of these, and it's a lot of private equity firms either buying or investing, and then you get that billion-dollar valuation. The fact that this one was taken public, I thought was really interesting because you don't—that's right. a rare thing to see. Yep. All right. Pure Profile has added Clean ID to enhance their data quality. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, we're, we're in this, we've talked about it before, this kind of little um, wars between all the digital fingerprinting solutions um, and pure profiles going with clean ID. So good for them. It's always good for anybody to improve their data quality suite. And so Opinion Route has made its moves and Research Defender has made its moves and Imperium has done a pretty good job of um, trying to stay relevant and compete with them. And they've made some deals as well. And so I just like it when any company um, tries to improve its quality. So good job from um, the profile. All right. In our last story, the message you sent me on this is I'm afraid of what I'm going to say about this <laughs> was that the Census Bureau has a plan to launch an online panel duplicative of private sector insight providers. And that is the straight headline from Howard at the Insights Association. Getting a little deeper, it talks about how that the Census Bureau plans to start a, what was it, a probability-based research panel to use to get gauge opinions about- Just public opinion stuff. Public right? opinion stuff, yeah, and yeah. government use. <laughs> yep. Um, I have a lot of comments on this, a lot of thoughts. <laughs> I'm scared of what I'll say. That's um, why I edit. <laughs> all right. So the first thing is, I'm not sure why our government needs a probability panel. I don't know, if, do, they, do they really need to do what marketing research does for polling? Does that matter? Should our, is this what something that we want our government investing in? Is public opinion? I'm not sure how I feel about that. Um, we already do a census um, to understand um, who's in our country and some basic information around it. And we, we had a story a couple of weeks ago that the census does other things. I'm not sure how I feel about them building a panel. And I agree with um, Howard in that, you know, you should not try to compete with the private sector because the private sector can't compete with government. 
I mean, it's not limited funds. Right. Yeah. They have unlimited funds and we don't, we have to get profit. They don't. Um, So I kind of inherently have a problem with the government really doing what the private sector can do. Okay. Having said that, um, you know, Howard or whoever wrote the article mentions some options. His, his argument is that we already have probability-based sampling in marketing research and yep. that we can scale it and all of this stuff. I'm not sure how much I agree with that. Um, some of the companies are close to probability sample. Um, others are definitely not a probability-based panel. And I just think that part of me thinks that the government is doing this because of a gap in the insights industry. Um, would they do this if, if, if we really truly had a probability-based panel? Like the NORC is one of them, Ipsos. <laughs> um, they have a panel that's probability-based. It's a pretty strong panel. Um, and so the others, I'm not sure about them. But those are the two that come top of mind. Why wouldn't they just use them? Especially because, um, you know, those are, some of those are public companies. Um, and why not just work with them to either grow that panel? Um, the University of Chicago is a public entity, and that's where the NRRC is headquartered. And um, why can't you optimize that panel and grow it to use it for the U.S. purposes? And that's, that's what I don't understand. Um, the other more private companies, I don't think they have probability panels, to be honest with you. That's another big problem I had with, I understand the argument. Yeah. Um, and I really appreciate Howard. I mean, he brings this to light. I don't know. It's hard to find sometimes these stories. And this is a huge story um, that, you know, we have someone, um, Ron Santos was just approved in Congress to kind of yep. lead the effort and you know Beth Tehan who works here knows him and thinks that it's being led by him which would make sense um I just have some problems with this and who can stop it if the government wants to do this I mean there's nothing stopping it I rambled and was all over the place Brian what are your thoughts well I agree with you that the government should not be trying to compete with the private sector on this I also agree with your point that Maybe the ones Howard listed aren't the best examples because yeah. I looked at a couple of those and went, huh, does Howard know something I don't? Right. Um, but as we've been chatting, I had a different thought. Okay. And this is going to be more – I'm going to play a little bit of devil's advocate, but a little more coming from a different perspective of this. Okay. What if the plan for this is to have that official like – public opinion based polling type stuff. And I say that because of the last two presidential election cycles, we've had to, we've created this term fake news. And anything you disagree with is fake news because, oh, well, CNN did it and they're left leaning. Well, Fox News did it, they're right leaning and this and that. So all of these that are done outside in that private sector, there's the argument, oh, well, there's a political lean to them because they lean one way or the other. What if the Census Bureau, as a part of a combat to try to build trust back in public opinion and polling, want to have the official, hey, 
we're the government. It doesn't matter. This is the official one because look, we use the census. We're the this can be the biggest panel because literally it's everybody. And you have the same you and I have the same chance of being called as a plumber in Florida or a gardener up in Minnesota or whatever. You have that that piece and that way there can't be that argument around fake news anymore because you can say, well, this is the the 100% most true probability based panel you can have because it literally touches on everybody 18 and over in the United States. What are your thoughts on that? Um, <laughs> there's certainly some wishful thinking in there. If this were five years ago, then maybe. But I think we're in such a disastrous place in America right now. In American where, politics, yep, yep. <laughs> where institutions such as the CDC and the FDA and the FBI are not trusted at all. You know, we, everything's misinformation, right? You can spin the data. The CDC can spin the data to the left or to the right, depending who's president or who's controlling the data instantly. And they're not lying to anybody. It's just misinformation, right? Mm-hmm. Any of those government agencies can do that. This would be no different. And, and it's hard enough when you're, when you're paid kind of to be unbiased. And it's hard enough to do sampling correctly and accurately. Um, when you're a pollster, your reputation's at stake, right? Right. So to me, I guess there probably is some inherent bias somewhere, but they're not going to try to mislead anyone. A lot of times because, especially with presidential and other election type polling, you get to see how accurate you are and your reputation is at stake. Whereas I can't even imagine the public sector. I mean, there's, the reputation is already nil anyway. So, I mean, if they're wrong, who's going to fire them, you know? Um, I will say my, my theory there doesn't necessarily mean I agree with it. I'm just throwing it out there. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like it. I wish that, I hope they, I hope they back off of this. doesn't make any sense. The private, why, why take private sector jobs away and give them the public sector? Well, I think the quote on here that Howard has best is it would be a quote, an unnecessary financial cost to American taxpayers and would result in the Census Bureau potentially competing directly with private sector insight providers. Yep. Any if, pollster you're going to compete against. Yep. And maybe this this is a challenge to panels to get stuff right. And get, maybe that maybe that's what it is. It's to the pollsters and research. the panels. Yep. Challenge the panels. If you have a probability based, let's start shouting it out and let's let's prove it. Um, let's. Let's let people look at it. People like me and other people a lot smarter than me kind of dissect it. Are you really probability based or not? Or are you near probability based? Are you close enough? I mean, that, that is probably with online, a lot of it is, are you just kind of close enough? Right. Um, because, you know, this talked about, and I, you know, I agree with the, kind of the methodology behind what they were doing was going to go door to door. And for people that aren't online, they're going to provide their iPads and, um, that's what you have to do, really, to be true probability based. Yep. Is get the people that there's always going to be a non response bias, however. But I mean, hopefully, panels step up and we need to, if, if the government's going to start competing against us, we need to really rally together and start improving our quality, improving our reputation. 
so that poses the other question. Is this just a warning shot? Like, all right, get your SHIT together. Cause I'm, yeah. I don't want to put the E on this, so I'm not going to say it. Um, get your, get your stuff together and start yeah. getting it right. Or we're going to step in. The one thing I will say though, I do love the name they have planned for this. The ask you ask, like ask us panel. Oh yeah. Superb. Yeah. I, I emailed them this morning and asking to be, you know, to have insight into what they're doing. If there's a yep. mailing list or a group of people that get to be part of it, I emailed them. I probably will never hear back, but you know me, I like to be part of these little committees and things that are going on. Yep. Um, part of the industry. And um, this is important. It's kind of a big deal. We'll, we'll talk more about it. I think. Cause you know, we just found this out like an hour ago. Yeah. We're top of mind. <laughs> just kind of talking out loud here as we re- quickly read it. Um, but, you know, of course, Howard comes through, man. I may not agree with everything he wrote, but he's freaking fighting for our industry. And yep. he has a strong opinion about it. And that's what we, that's what the Insights Association is for, is to, oh, government, you're going to try to go against us. We're going to fight back. Even though we may not have an army of people, we have Howard. We have Howard. <laughs> uh. Yeah. And so, you know, Howard can fight the battle pretty well, but hopefully, you know, the rest of the industry kind of fights with him. We got to stand in line with him. Yep. Howard's on the front lines for us. Unfortunately, it's only Howard. So, yeah, hanging out in DC. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's all for now on that topic. I think we'll come back to it. If you have thoughts, let us know. Um, I'm sure lots of people have opinions on it, and maybe we're wrong on this and probably a lot of other news stories we went just through. Um, wouldn't be the first time yeah certainly not the first time do we have any other topics is that it that is it that's it i mean we're at 50 minutes now so yeah well thanks for listening if you listen this far we really appreciate it um love to hear feedback if you have a guest if you have a topic if you have anything you'd like to say about the show let us know and as always thanks for listening and be pay attention to some other episodes coming real soon This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.